Well, we are in the middle of a three-part series on death, and we are specifically looking at how do we as Christians respond to death. Because typically, when we talk about death, we talk about it on that side of the grave. If death ever comes up in Christian conversation, we typically talk about how if we're in Christ, death is not the end, that we'll be raised with him, and it'll be fantastic, which is all true. But what I want us to explore in this series is how do we respond to death on this side of the grave? How do we respond when we experience the full weight of grief and and frustration that death drags into our lives? And next week, we're going to lay out some very practical things that we should do in response uh, to death. But so much of that, of what we'll say next Wednesday, is dependent on what we're talking about tonight. It's dependent on the type of God who is with us when we face death in all its forms. So what we're going to do tonight is answer the question, what type of God stands with us, stands beside us when we face death in all of its forms? And and from John 11, I want us to see three characteristics of this God. He's the God of tears, the God of anger, and the God of grace. Now, in case you aren't familiar with this passage, John 11 records the death and resurrection of a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, were incredibly close, incredibly dear to Jesus. And so when Lazarus fell ill, they sent word to Jesus asking him to come and heal the one he loves. However, Jesus didn't make it in time. And so when he arrives on the scene, Lazarus is dead and everyone is grieving. And John tells us that Martha and then Mary come out to Jesus, and they both ask him the same exact question. Lord, if you had been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. In other words, what's up, Jesus? Where were you? Why didn't you show up? And we'll get into Jesus' conversation in a couple of minutes, but what I want us to notice is that Jesus' response is actually inconsistent. Look at verse 21. And verse 32, you'll see that both sisters ask Jesus the exact same question. So we would expect Jesus to respond in the exact same way, but he doesn't. Jesus' response to Mary is also the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. In response to Lazarus' death and Mary's grief, Jesus cries uncontrollably which is as moving as it is confusing. Because remember who we're talking about here. This is Jesus. He's God. Uh, Which means that Jesus knows two things that Mary does not know. Jesus knows why Lazarus died. He knows what the plan is and why this event happened. And Jesus also knows what he's about to do. Jesus didn't show up on this scene unaware that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knows that in 10 minutes or so, in just eight verses later, he's going to turn this funeral into a festival. So if he knows all of this, why in the world is he crying? And I think the Jews watching the exchange between Mary and Jesus answer that question for us in verse 36. 
as Jesus is weeping, the Jews say to each other, ah, see how much he loved him. See, Jesus' tears show us that he is incapable of turning off his heart to our pain and grief for even 10 minutes. That Jesus' tears show us that he is not numb to our pain, to our grief, or our frustration in the face of death. That Jesus enters into your grief with you. Jesus sits with you in your sorrow. Jesus' love for you pulls him into your sadness, and he weeps with you. And what that means, practically speaking, is that we ought to bring the full range of our emotions to him. Sometimes it can feel that that because God is God, he's perfect and sovereign, that, that we can't express all of our emotions to him, that it would somehow demonstrate a lack of faith. Please see that we have a God who weeps with us. Who, who wants us to share in our sorrow, who wants to share in our sorrows. So, so bring them to him with all of their power, all of their ferocity, because he can handle it. And if you've ever found yourself in a place of sorrow or pain, you understand how important this point is. But you also know that, that you need more than just a God of tears. We also need a God of anger, a God who's going to do something about all of this. You know, there's a a term in our text that gets used a couple of times, but the way it's translated actually downplays what Jesus is feeling here. It's, um, It's this term, deeply moved, which shows up in verse 33 and then again in verse 38. Here's what that actually means. Uh, it, it means to bellow with rage. This is like um, the fury that a bull sees whenever you hold up a, a red flag. It's, uh, it's the, the emotion Shan Yu expresses in Mulan when the emperor slips away from his grass and he just screams from the rooftops of the palace. As Jesus is walking toward the tomb, he is filled with this, this guttural rage over something. And it's worth noting what he's angry at. See, Jesus is not angry at the people. Uh, we'll say more about this next week, but it's worth repeating several times. Grief is a good and acceptable response to suffering and death. You ought to grieve. Uh, you are not letting Jesus down by weeping in the face of death. Jesus is not angry at the people. Uh, but he's also not angry at himself. Jesus is not walking up to Lazarus's tomb saying, you done messed up, JC. Uh, Jesus' anger is not directed at God. His anger is directed at death itself. And this reinforces one of the things we were saying last week, that death is not a good thing. Uh, Death is not something that is natural or belongs here. Death is an intrusion. It's a a deviation from God's good design. And what Jesus' bellowing anger shows us is that we have a God who shares in the rage we feel in death's presence. He shares our frustration. That when you see death or or people being slowly or sometimes quickly being drugged toward it, um, you can't help but feel a sense of anger because deep down you know this this can't be how it's supposed to be. Jesus' rage confirms that we're right. This is not how it's supposed to be. Death should not be marring his creation, and he is angry about it. Now, you might be thinking, well, if he's so angry about it, 
why doesn't he just get rid of it? If I was God, I would just, I would just snap my fingers and deal with it. Um, why, and why doesn't he just like Thanos snap death? Like he doesn't even need the infinity gauntlet. He could just boop and it'd be gone. It's because if he were to delete death, he'd also have to delete us. To simply eliminate death, he would have to eliminate you. Remember, Romans 5.12, which we looked at last week, tells us that death came into the world because of our sin. Death is linked to us, and to remove one requires the removal of the other. Uh, And that's why the, the third aspect of the God by our side is so important, that he's a God of grace. I didn't read this uh, section of the story, but John tells us that immediately after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, some of the Jews go and tattle on him. Uh, They tell their religious leaders, and so they hold this, this ruling council called the Sanhedrin, and they decide on that very day, Jesus needs to die. God, take this guy out. And here's why that's so significant. Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus knew that if he raised Lazarus from the dead, he would be signing his own death warrant. For Jesus to shout, Lazarus, come out, he knew that he would have to go in. That the only way that Jesus could raise Lazarus, and raise us for that matter, is if he was buried. And that is the ultimate act of grace. Grace, of course, is receiving something that we don't deserve. And Romans 6.23 tells us that, that our wages, what we deserve, our due payment for our sin is death. But Jesus steps into our place. He receives our wages and is buried by death so that you and I might have life. It's a way of dealing with death without removing you. And this is the type of God that is by us when we face death in all of its form. Not not just a God who weeps with us, not just a God who shares our anger toward death, but one who, in his grace, defeated death without destroying you. Jesus so entered into our struggle with death that he was crushed by it so that we might live. See, Jesus, he gives us far more than an answer, which is what we typically are looking for when we, when we come to death. Uh, you may notice that Jesus never actually answers Martha's question, which, which is often our question. In the midst of suffering and an unexpected death, we want to know why. Why did you let that happen, God? And this passage does not tell us that. In fact, Scripture doesn't tell us why specific struggles or difficulties come into our life but it does tell us the reason it cannot be. It cannot be because he doesn't love us. It cannot be because he doesn't care about us. Why? Because we have a God of grace, a God who loved us so much that he gave himself so that we might have life. That's the answer he gives Martha. He directs her to the truth that he is the resurrection and the life. That whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Because it's the key if we're going to face death well. 
If we're going to respond with hope, we have to believe this. We have to believe that we not only have a God who enters into our sorrow and and our rage at death, but he also enters into death itself so that you and I can have life. It's believing this. It's holding on to this God that allows us to respond to death well on this side of the grave. 